pause for a second before we go any further. Do me a favor, family, and click the subscribe button. This is how you receive notifications for the latest episodes. I appreciate you, family. One love. Said G Podcast Show. And this show is sponsored by Said G Equity Investments. It's the Said G Podcast Show. Hood, social politics. Factual facts. The hood meets society. Kicking social matters. It's the Said G Podcast Show. Salute to Ostani, Tehran, Iran. Thank you for checking out the show. Check out my last episode, Urban America and the Police Department with Officer Justin Hearns, co-hosted by Watrice, as we look at insights on relationships with the community and the police department. This episode, I want to talk about the best friends, murder for hire, drug gang based in Detroit, Michigan during the height of the crack era. I continue to let the audience know more about me, know more about my story, and the best friends was a force to be reckoned with. The best friends, murder for hire, right here on the CG podcast show. Click that subscribe button. Share this episode. Follow me on Twitter at Mr. 911. It's M I S T A 911. Facebook at Said G Podcast Show. Instagram at Said G Pod. And subscribe to my YouTube page at Said G Podcast. You can see the latest pics, trailers, and financial information. Two brothers, Rockin' Reds, 
and Boogaloo Petty group. The other brothers that got involved with this crew is called, their names are Ezra and Ghost. That's how it all started out. But Boogaloo was pegged to be like the mastermind behind the group. And Reggie was like the enforcer, even though he was even though he was the boss too. And you know, as I said on other episodes, how the crack epidemic has started kicking off most in black neighborhoods across America around 83, 84. So these guys stepped in the game around that time, 84, forming their clique, uh, getting started in the game. They started out working for a guy named Lamar. Um, it was said that these guys actually end up knocking this guy off. You know, um, you know, during that time, it was all about the power. It was about money and power, but it really was about power. And in order for these guys to come up through the ranking, the ranks of the streets, they had to move people out the way. Um, as the drug got more popular, you know, more people got in the game. So, you know, that sort of saturates the market. So in order for them, for them to carve out a piece of the pie, they, they're going to have to move people out of the way. You know, so, you know, they started out selling dope like everybody else, but then you got to find your particular niche in this game, so, in that game, rather. So, they chose to be hitmen, to be enforcers, you know, taking out contracts and doing work for people that could, that was hard for them to collect debts and stuff like that, and, you know, knocking off rivals, you know. Uh, so, you know, that's how they start carving out the niche in the streets um you know they were still selling dope and but they still didn't have the, quite the notoriety as other drug dealers um so you know they just continued to work the streets and as they went along their names started coming out more and more but the whole connotation to these guys it was it was violence um anti-social personality disorders, uh, sociopathic, psychopathic, uh, no empathy. Uh, there's a whole bunch of labels you can get these guys right here. They definitely had a time in the streets where they ruled over the streets with an iron fist on top of that. Uh, they definitely ruled with an iron fist. But, you know, the game always had competition, um, but they just came a point where they were reign supreme. They were the kings of the street. And I, I call them cowboys, you know. It was like that okay corral with a bunch of kilos. And they have documentaries out there. There's one called Kill Em All, uh, which Gangland did that one. You have um, one from Al Prophet, or a couple of them from Al Prophet, talking about these guys. Then you have a, a guy named Nate Nate Foon Craft, basically describing the story of the best friends. Uh, he was, um, he proclaimed to be the person that brought down the best friend because he was a hitman for them. Then he turned informant. Uh, it was a, reven a revenge thing for them, uh, where Boogaloo, for Boogaloo killing his brother, his brother. Uh, these guys, um, Bruiser actually this guy's nephew too so you know as the reports say 
Uh, they were, were responsible for knocking him off, too. You know, they were responsible. They were knocking a lot of people off, you know. So, But, again, that was uh, the game they played. That's how they came up through the ranks, through murder. Murder and fear. You know. But that's just a little small introduction to these guys on, the, on this first segment. You know, it, it's an interesting story cause, because, I, like I said on other episodes, that they are considered on the Mount Rushmore um, when it comes to uh, the cocaine, crack game, whatever you want to call it. Uh, <clears throat> you know, they was a part of that, that Mount Rushmore. So, you know, they was one of those cliques where they had this mystical story and everybody wanted to know their story because they just really lived on the edge. I mean, they really took it to the edge, and uh, according to some of these documentaries, that they were the most bloodiest clique in the history of the streets of Detroit. Uh, this including the likes of the Pur- Purple Gang. Um, I can say that they put a lot of fear in people. They definitely killed a lot of people, but to say they were the hardest... I don't know about that. Maybe the wildest, maybe the most psychotic, probably that. But, you know, it was other cliques out there. Um, I know one in particular, I'm not going to say their name. Uh, they were just as hard, you know. They were all about the power, you know. And the, the best friends, they had a lot of enemies, you know. It got to the point where they got had a lot of fanfare, but they had a lot of enemies too. So, um, it was people out there that wanted to get at them. That's what it was. This is the Podcast Show. I'll come back. I want to talk more about my experience with dealing with the best friends. This is the Podcast Show. Click that subscribe button, family. Share this episode. Tell a friend. G Investments membership on Wix.com. That W-I-X.com. G Investments is a blog about the latest trends in the stock market. Also, members can try some of the challenges that are on the site. Challenges like the 21-day meditation or sugar diets. Click the link in the description. Once on the site, click the sign up button. Enter your email and bam, you there. Said G Investments Membership, a blog about the latest trends in the stock market on Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com. contributions to my media studio fundraiser. This is a marathon. This will be a dream come true. If you would like to make a contribution, just click the support link or you can cash out. You will receive rewards for your contributions. Mass salute to Texas, Maryland, New York, Pennsylvania and Mississippi. 
thank you all for listening to the show. The audience is a big part of who I am. It's all about social politics, hood social politics, and having a better community. service announcement. Mental health is a serious issue. I've dealt with depression and I can tell you that it's no joke. You feel low, low self-esteem, bad eating, bad sleeping, and sometimes feeling suicidal. It feels like there is nothing else in the tank of life. If you feel like this, seek help today. We must break the stigma of confusing this with mental health retardation. There are many organizations out there that can help. Seek one today. Welcome back to the CG Podcast Show. Don't forget, family, to click that subscribe button. This is how you get notifications for whenever I drop an episode. And you know what? Um, some of these podcast platforms may have different ways of how you follow the podcast. Some of them may say follow. Some of them may su- say subscribe. But whatever the case might be, just subscribe to the podcast. I appreciate the family. You know, I always got to salute you guys. If, it's not, if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be able to do this right here. And you continue to show love. Um... My webinar is coming up January the 28th, 2021. Investing one-on-one. Learn the basics of investing in stocks. I will be coaching students the basics on investing in stocks. The best friends, murder for hire. You know, in that first segment, I was reading um, the story on those guys just to give a little back, background on those guys but those are the news reports and I'm sure they got a lot of information from people who was inside uh, their circle or somewhat around their circle but their story was well known in the streets so they could have picked up a lot of it out of the streets who knows Um, like I said everybody knew who they were as I stated in the first segment from these news reports. Um, I didn't know them personally. Uh, Definitely used to see see Rockin' Ridge. I went to Kettering High School. He had family that went there. So he used to come up there all the time. You know, Kettering was like this hot bed school. So um, you would see a lot of the hustlers or whatever around that high school. Rockin' Reds definitely used to come up there. That 5.0s is one of those um, popular type cars people, dealers and stuff would buy or rent or lease or whatever the case may be. But he definitely used to come up there. So to make it seem like I was buddy-buddy with these guys, I was riding out with these guys, I wouldn't say that at all. But I did know one of them. You know, they were a little older than me. And the one guy that I did know... um, He's in uh, involved in their story. He wasn't mentioned in that news report right there, but he definitely is a part of the indictment. Uh, I knew him. You know, a lot of them went to my high school. A lot of them went to Kettering High School. So um, they're recruits. 
but you know uh, the original members were the Brown brothers now how I first heard about the best friends you know I grew up right there on Crane and Grasher and Maserati Rick had a car wash up there on Iroquois and Grasher and that was one of the routes I would walk walking to Kettering High School so I walked past that car wash all the time and kids that were working in that car wash they also went to Kettering too um, but like I stated in other episodes it was clear that Maserati was the boss uh, but how I first heard about these guys it, it come from hanging around that car wash and I said in other episodes, as I tell people more and more about my story, how coming up where the kids across Grasher, they were more aggressive than we were. And the best friends, and they were all dealing with the people across Grasher. Like I said, they were selling drugs before we were, before we got into that. Um, they were already doing that, and they was doing it with the best friends. Another cat that's involved with this story uh, this guy named Bruiser and reports said uh, I was looking at a documentary the other day it's called Rolling by my guy Al Prophet I was in LA uh, not too long I didn't let everybody know I'm actually out of town right now I'm actually in Detroit right now I'm getting ready to take a trip to Las Vegas uh, I've been moving around all year round um, putting this webinar together and getting this curriculum together I'm super excited about that you know but it's all coming together. And like I said, like I, when I first heard about them, they was hanging around that car wash. They was up there every day. So the, they names started getting more and more prevalent in the street, and it was all relevant to violence, you know. And when you look at the documentaries uh, about them, on the internet or YouTube or whatever, they sort of jam their story like all together, but they really lasted for a, probably longer than the Maserati Rick. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> they sort their stories sort of stretch out, you know, because you got really like two versions of them. You got the Hitman slash Dope Boy, then they reinvented themselves to the Dope Boy slash Hitman, but murder was always their connotation. That was always the overall thing about these guys. But it was all about the money during that second phase with them. And that's when they started gaining more popularity and more fans. Because they, as the murder clay, people pretty much hated them, you know. Uh, but yeah, I got hip to them for hanging around that car wash. And Bruiser was one of those guys that was riding out with those guys. And a lot of people consider him to be a best friend. But they were all looked at as a part of Maserati's clique and I don't think they really like to be overshadowed by Maserati they really want to do their own thing but this is the man right here this is the guy that's supplying us right here you know <clears throat> plus Maserati was extremely popular so by him endorsing them that got them their name floating around the streets so you know and when you look at the crack era uh, and the violence started kicking up about 84, 85, 86. But it really started kicking up when these guys came in the game. So a lot of murders was happening. And they were taking the credit for that. So they built up this reputation as this murder for hire clique. Enforcers for Maserati Rick. 
and they had all the flashy cars and you know we were seeing bruiser every day we were seeing rock and red we were seeing ghosts we were seeing these guys we seeing maserati we all in the same neighborhood so we seeing these guys regular i've seen the volvos and the cars and all that you know um but that's how i first got hooked on to the best friends and you know eventually maserati got knocked off and according to some of these uh, documentaries and videos and stuff that best friends actually knocked Maserati off and just like in that news report I was reading in segment one it looked like they knocked their former boss their other boss up too so they didn't knock both of their bosses off you know and that's just how they were cut that's how they were cut and uh once Maserati got knocked off um and Demetrius got knocked off you know like I said they broke off into their own now my experience with dealing with these guys during this time when Maserati got knocked off uh, Demetrius eventually got knocked off uh, my guy Vito he started stepping heavily off into the streets but and I was running around on the streets like I said I worked for Demetrius Holloway and uh, you know I had dropped out of school and I wanted to go back to school and finish my last year in high school. So I sort of left out of the scene. By this time, we stand out there on six miles. So I started, I stopped going to Kettering. So I started walking down the street to Denby High School instead of catching the bus way across town to go to Kettering. I can just walk down the street to Denby. I only had one more year to do in high school. So that's what I did. And during this time, that's when other people that I was running around with since I was a kid, they started coming up. And every now and then, my moms would let me drive to school. So, you know, like most of us, we sneak off and doing, doing stuff when you have no business doing. Um, I would take her car and I would drive back over into the neighborhood and I would run into one of the guys. And he would jump in the car, like run me down the street, I'll give you 50 bucks. I'm in total shock that this guy is giving me $50 to drive him down the street. When he could have just gave me some gas fare, or I could just bought me a bag of weed or something. You know, I'm I'm looking at it as, as if I'm giving my friend a ride, not really knowing what's going on. And that's what I say about this game. You can get involved in this stuff and don't know what's really going on around you. This is the politics of the streets. So I was excited to get the 50 bucks and I was taking him down the street. Uh, he was meeting up with one of the best friends. This is right after Maserati got killed. And they sort of died down. I guess they were, you know, re getting their plans back together or whatever. But um, I was taking him down there to meet the best friends, you know. And I didn't know what he was doing or what I was just giving. He was, whatever he was doing, he was getting out outside of the car doing it. Then he hopped back in, I'll drop him back off. Again, I'm just looking at it as if I'm giving my friend a ride. Now, after a couple of times like that, he started giving, he gave me a hundred dollars. This wasn't a repeated thing like every day, you know. This is every now and then. I'm borrowing my mama car, you know, to, um, drive to school. And a few of those times, he gave me a hundred dollars. Then he finally showed me what he was getting from this guy. You know, I was like, oh, okay. They didn't step their game up, you know. Uh, it was some weight, you know. And again. I'm over there in Six Mile, and even though I would borrow my mom's car and go over that way and run into certain people, you know, I had a couple of those guys 
when they really started coming up, they would come out at six mile and holler at me. You know, we may smoke some weed and ride out for a little while or something like that. You know, they were really coming up. And um, and all this guy, you know, I was cool with that. I was plugged into. He had a real big thing that he wanted to, to deal with, with his best friend. Like he was really bent on that. And but you know, these guys, they were sticking and moving. That that's just how they move, stick and move. So you had to sort of wait on them. And I guess he sort of lost contact with, with this particular best friend. And they had an apartment. You know, by this time I done hooked in with them. I'm selling weight myself. You know, we moving around, making a little money. And um one of the other best friends, he was dealing with this chick like right next door to to where we were at. And he went to Kettering too. So we we ran to him a couple times. We were like, well, what's up? What's up? What's up? You know. But again, the guy I was dealing with, he wanted to deal with his other best friend. But we like, shoot, he he plugged into them. Let's deal with him, you know. But eventually, um, dealing with that guy put him back to the original guy he wanted to deal with. So he started bringing work over, you know. He's bringing half birds, whole birds. You know, he grew. You know, then he bringing two birds. He bringing three birds, four birds, five birds, whatever you can get from him, you know. And one of the things about that guy, even though you may have these these drug connections, they got these boatload of dope and all that. Well, this is a Detroit, Michigan. That was Detroit, Michigan. You got to get this stuff to Detroit. This is not the coastal areas, even those kingpins even run out. So you, a lot of those times you spend time piecing together packages to keep your business going. You know, but all that at the same time, these guys still laying down these murders. You know, that's why I said these guys are like cowboys, which brings me to clubs like Rado's. Rado Lounge was infamous on the east side. Whoever was anybody came through that club, even though, even if you wasn't a regular, if you was somebody, you, you came through there. And it's an interesting place because it was, it was actually small, maybe 500 people can fit in there. And it, it's not like one set of crew that runs this club. Any crew can run that club on any given week. So I can be in there, I can be in there with 30 or 40 of my guys, I'm, I'm running the club. The next, very next week, somebody else running the club. Then the week after that, somebody in my clique may be running the club. Then you had females that came in there and shut the place down. You know, and they, they were frequent places like that. Everybody frequent places like that, you know. Um, but these guys were psychotic. These who, if you can think of somebody that you think are crazy or psychotic that you may personally know, you know, I say times that by 10 because they had this bravado, like they had no regard for the law. They doing all these murders and selling all this dope. They just had this attitude like I'm just going to push it to the end. I'm just going to uh, push it all the way to the edge. And that's what they did. So you would come outside the club and they would be sitting out there. These these in the height of all this stuff, you know. I mean, they most wanted the feds all over the place looking for these guys, and they still selling dope like it's nothing. And trust and believe that because I was there when they were bringing some of these bricks, and I was in the car when we actually would go pick up some of these bricks. You know, I was there. So, you know, I was walking around Six Mile and um, the Grove and all that with a lot of weight on me. You know, 
know, they were dropping birds off everywhere. You just pull up in the parking lot. They, they like, it's sitting over there on, in, on, in the parking lot somewhere. Just sitting out there in the middle of the parking lot. So, you know, we get them the money. We go ride over there and pick the package up and mob out, you know. We've been pulled over by the police with packages in the car, you know. And one thing about this crew right here, which they don't mention, they had a big female following. Like, females followed these guys religiously, you know. So it was just like one of those connotations where they would, they, they, they was in the atmosphere. They was just in the atmosphere when it comes to the streets. And by this time, they started gaining fanfare. So a lot of people in the streets was actually waiting on them. So by the time they get the package and they bring it to the deer, it's gone. It's flying out the window. I mean, that stuff gone in two weeks, you know. So they got to run back and regroup. And then all the time, the feds looking for these guys. And they, <laughs> you will see these guys in the store riding around in the streets. I remember I was riding down the street. I almost had an accident with one of them, you know. Like, we had to dodge each other. It's like one of these murder, murder type dudes. They just riding around, you know. They they were just always around. So, um, I knew guys that would, like, people thought I really should have got indicted with them. Like I said, my mans was dealing with them. So, I used to live with them. I was riding out with them, clubbing with them. And they all got indicted. I didn't get indicted. They all went to jail for dealing with the best friends. I didn't go to jail dealing with them because I made made myself a pact that I would not deal with these guys. I'm not going to exchange anything with these guys. These guys are on another level. They're just taking it too far to the edge. For me, I'm already living on the edge myself. But they took it 10 times more than that. But yes, they were dealing with all these females. They had a big female following. You would see them riding around the streets. You would leave out of radios. They'd be sitting outside. Uh, you were running to them in the store or something. This this in the height of all this. And mind you, they dipping and dabbing with, um, from the feds and the, and the local authorities. You know, and like I said, I knew guys that was riding out with them on, on some of those adventures. And they would come back and tell me, you know. Uh, I remember one time uh, they came and told me they were down in Atlanta. Uh, everybody knew they were in Atlanta. I don't see how the feds didn't know that, but we knew they were down there. Uh, they were staying right across from MC Bree, and they would see Tupac all the time. You know, they could come back and tell a story. They up there in New York. They were running into rappers. They, you know, they serving people in New York. That's a fact. And I didn't know they were that big. I thought they were just some East Side guys making a lot of noise, but they would move and work all up and down I-75, you know, all up and down the East Coast. Just so many adventures that the guys would tell me, like like this adventure, uh, you know, they're dealing with all these women in these cities. These women don't know who they are. They just look like, like I got this balling type guy. So they will go get the female, go get brand new cars in their names and go get a nice house in, in their name. and how these dudes operate, operated, they feel any type of heat, they just drop everything and just leave. So this woman go out there and get all these bills and get this nice house and driving in a Mercedes and she never hear from the guy again. He just gone. 
that's just how they operated but at least that's some of the stories they told me so it was just so many stories with these guys and uh they did put fear in people they um was implicating at least 80 murders it's probably more than that um they were psychotic sociopathic anti-social personality disorders i thought the guys were psychotic myself me personally because you gotta think to yourself these guys don't ain't nothing registering with these guys in terms of mind and soul no empathy in other words but what's the end game what's the end game what y'all gonna go buy a house on the hill I mean it's no end game to that you know and Boogaloo end up getting murdered Reggie doing life in jail the other two brothers they got murdered uh, but, but, you know, most of those guys out of prison. I think all of them out of prison. All the rest of the people that got indicted with them and did all their prison time, they all out of prison. Yeah, they all out of prison. So that was just one of those mystical stories that happened during that time. Um, I can go on and on about these guys. You know, it was, it was a whole bunch of stories as relate to these guys but they had a lot of fanfare there you know they got documentaries out there they did um gangland on these guys uh you can see some of this stuff on youtube like i said i can keep going on and on about these guys but i just want to get my little version of that they were one of the big things i was popping uh in the streets at that time i probably did should have get caught up in that indictment because everybody i was dealing with um they got caught up in this stuff. Uh, but I thank God I didn't because I can stand here now and um, minister this stuff to people. Not to even go that route. It's the best friend. Share this episode. Click that subscribe button. Peace, peace. Love, love, family.